2: Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now, the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper.
0: Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions, and we pray that God would just use you to uh, be on mission for God. And one of the things that we do in order to be on mission for God is to prepare And uh, God uses many people through discipleship and pastors and youth ministers and other Sunday school teachers, small group leaders, to be a part of that process of preparing us. But one of the ways is through education, Bible school, college. And matter of fact, that was one of the first things that the church in America saw the need for Yes, they wanted preachers, but they wanted those preachers to be trained. Again, this is Burt Harper along with Nathan Harper. And Nathan, when we think about missions, you do think of preparation. Let me give you this verse and then I want you to comment on it. And it is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and it's Paul's last letter that he wrote to Timothy, last letter that we have recorded. But he says to him, You therefore, my son, talking to Timothy, be strong. In the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That is generational discipleship, generational training, is it not?
2: Yes, absolutely. It's a beautiful picture of that. You see four generations, a chain of disciple making from one generation to the other. Even focusing in on verse 1. When it says, You therefore my son, Paul is talking to Timothy and he's speaking to him as a father would to a son. And so you see that relationship. And definitely, and this is part of the you know, the big issue. If if you say there's an elephant, a big giant elephant in the room in the church in America, I would say it's this that there is a lack of discipleship. And one of the main reasons why that's such a big issue and, and we do discipleship so badly is because we don't base our attempts at discipleship in relationship. We just go straight for Bible knowledge or for just a series of programs or even events and things like that. And it's not about that biblically. It's about relationships. It starts with a relationship. So first, that's the thing I noticed. But then that relationship isn't just between Paul and Timothy. He says to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So somehow— Paul, connected with Jesus, is able to see Timothy connected with Jesus. So even though that discipleship is through in two different individuals, the disciple and the disciple-maker are both connected with Jesus, and Jesus is the one who makes all the difference and brings his grace to transform lives. But then in verse 2, you see those four generations, from Paul to Timothy, Timothy to faithful men, and then faithful men to others. And so... We've talked about this verse over and over on this program before, so it's an important one to us. It's also important in the idea of education that education is also primarily a relationship. It's not just an industry. It's not some sort of just informational transfer. It can be some of those things, but that's what it is at its worst. You know, at its best, it's a relationship, and it's a picture of discipleship. And so I could go on and on about that, but that's how culture— is transformed that's how culture is shaped is through discipleship through generational uh, education of one generation teaching another generation and if we see a breakdown in our culture well it's, it's because this is what's been broken down
0: you know when i hear that and think that generational preparation i this is going to be a little personal testimony for us i was called and God let me go to Blue Mountain College where I was trained. My wife went there. That would be Nathan's mom. And then the next generation, Nathan, you go to Blue Mountain College. Yep. Now, a lot of the professors had changed because of time, but two professors that changed my life at Blue Mountain one of them I've referred to quite a bit on this program is Dr. James Travis. He put in me a love for the Word of God with excitement, and that's all I needed. I'm kind of a basic cheerleader. Nathan's laughing. I, I get excited about things, and he showed me that you could be scholarly, you could be discipleship with excitement. It doesn't have to be drudgery. It can be something, and it changed my life in preaching and everything. The other one was my psychology professor, Dr. Lewis Sholey, and uh, I remember this statement. He said, let me tell you what made Jesus so significant. He did not just tell people, and it goes along with what you said, what to do. He showed them how to do it. Feed the 5,000, healing. And that is that relationship. Did you have any influence in yeah. your life like that, Nathan?
2: Yes. Yeah. Speaking of Blue Mountain College, there's a couple of Bible professors that I had. One taught alongside James Travis, who you mentioned, and the one was taught by him. The one taught by him, Ronald Meeks, Dr. Meeks. Again, a passionate excitement of sharing God's Word. And that's what I remember most about him and also Dr. Douglas Bain, just a humility he had so much knowledge, but he hid it from you because it was wrapped in humility. And so when I think of my teachers and even other teachers, you catch things are caught more than they're taught. And so those are a couple of things that I, f- I hope I have caught from them. And so when it's education or just simply disciple making, who we are is who our the folks who follow us, who they become. You know, for Paul, his, his spiritual son, Timothy, Timothy would probably grow up to be a lot like Paul. And so that's what education does. As a preparation, we are learning how to be and not just how to do. And we're becoming more and more ultimately like Jesus Christ.
0: And we pass it on to others. Paul to Timothy, Timothy to faithful men, those faithful men to others. I hope you're in that chain and I hope you are preparing so you can be on mission to God as we hear this interview today on Exploring Missions. Today on Exploring Missions, we have two guests, and one of them is a friend that I made years ago, hadn't been in contact with for quite some time, and we still recognized one another. That was good. Scott, welcome to Exploring Missions. Oh, it's great to be on your show today. Yes, uh, when I walked in the
3: door of the room here and I, I, I knew you were in here, I thought, boy, this is going to be like a family reunion here uh, since we did spend about 10 days on a life-changing trip. This is Scott Lamb. He's with Liberty University. Now, what's your title there, brother? Well, I'm the Senior Vice President of Communications and Public Engagement, so obviously handling the news and media aspects of the university, but also uh, the engagement with uh public policy and um, our alumni and and things like that communicating outward uh, what we're doing at Liberty University and also trying to make an impact on the world and raise our students up to be people who are engaged in the public square. That sounds like a full-time job, Scott. Well, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord has brought a lot of good students our way, and
0: we aim to be good stewards of us, have a good stewardship of those years. So. Before we introduce your next guest, we was talking about the ten days that we spent with uh, a group traveling to Poland, London, and California. Uh, Jan, my wife, and you and some others were there. We just met and had a great camaraderie between us and got to talking. And at that time, you were kind of editing books at that time. Yeah. So uh, things have changed. That's kind of like missions. You know, uh, people say, well, this is where God's called me. Well, be ready for him to change a direction and call you even to a bigger or different area. Absolutely.
3: I know when we were on that trip, um, of course, the keynote uh, leader for that trip was Governor Mike Huckabee. And uh, and so he was uh, doing all this, most of the speaking for us, and I was working on a biography of him. Uh, at the time, I loved to write biographies, and but really the heart of uh, the, uh, what I was doing was communications and, and wordsmithing uh, in honor of
0: Jesus Christ our Lord, and you can do that in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Well, we just got to talk. The, the trip was life changing, especially visiting Poland. Was it not? Oh, absolutely.
3: How can you ever? You can never forget uh, that that morning we spent at Auschwitz, a a very, very cold morning. And just imagine what those people went through uh, under the boot of evil uh, and uh, to make a resolve in our own hearts to never never turn away uh, from doing what you can to
0: put down evil in our own land. The other thing uh, before we introduce one more thing about the trip was uh, in Poland we were visiting the Poland people who were first-generational freedom. Yes. You know, they had, yes. they had been under the bondage of Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. and then they were relieved by Russia and mm. communism, and do you remember going to the city that they said was the perfect oh, communist yeah. it's city? Oh,
3: ugly. Do you remember how ugly it, it was? It was the ugliest yes. ever building.
0: was the same, Yes, the gray and boring. Yeah, it was, it was gray, boring. The
3: aesthetics were terrible, and then even they said that the, uh, the logistics, you know, you know, things didn't run on time, and the plumbing was broken, and the electrical work, you know. Uh, but that—that that was the communist system there. You know, we're going to make a perfect city, and and it—it it wasn't perfect on day one, and and it was
0: and it was ugly to look at as yeah, well. The yeah. funniest thing that happened, and I just got to bring this up. Ronald Reagan had been president, and everything had changed in Europe, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what does the people in Poland think of Ronald Reagan, and our guide just held their hand up and pointed to the sign, and it was Ronald Reagan Boulevard. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah.
3: At Ronald Reagan Boulevard, right there in uh, the, the <laughs> town that had formerly been built
0: by the USSR. It, you it know. was awesome. I, I could not help but reminisce. Of, awesome. The people who are listening got to hear our reminiscing, yeah. but it was Let me say
3: one time. more thing, though. I do remember being on the bus with uh, one of the translators uh, who was maybe about 20, and uh, we asked her what the younger generation thinks, and uh, they she said, uh, well, you know, they never lived under communism, and so they can hardly even imagine. I said, but wait, their parents, their parents tell them the stories. Yes, but the younger generation always, you know, you got to actually tell them, like, look, don't take this for granted, you know, because if things hadn't changed, you literally, your life would be completely different. But it's, she said it was hard to get the younger generation to to, uh, to understand just how blessed they were uh, to have had everything change in their country. Uh, their parents lived under it, but they they didn't. And uh, it's a reminder that we got to pass that on to the next That's generation. Enough. You know, get
0: generation. the gratitude for what we have. Amen. Well, our other guest, who's been left out of the conversation, <laughs> but he's been so gracious, Ryan Hil- Hilfenbein. Yes, Hilfenbein. you got that absolutely Did it get correct. Get it close, okay. It's perfect. Well, brother, it's good to have you. You're
1: with Liberty University as well. I am. I'm vice president of communications. I uh, serve here with uh, Scott Lamb, who is uh, not only a best friend, but a best boss. And uh, also the executive director of the Liberty University Standing for Freedom Center, uh, where we defend life, liberty, and truth to ensure that the foundations of freedom are preserved for the next generation. Well, you come from Kentucky, I understand. I was there in Kentucky, uh-huh. but we are actually in my home stomping grounds here in Dallas, Texas, which is really, really interesting. So I grew you've made, up. You've made quite a journey. I have been around the world. Hey, I, have I
0: believe been that. The world. Well, yeah. I did want you to say a little bit about Kentucky, the, the missions here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we understand missions have many different avenues. Absolutely. And the reason a lot of things have happened in America is because Christians have withdrawn mm. from certain areas that they should not have withdrawn from. The arts is one of those. When we withdraw from the arts, you see what happens in Hollywood. You yeah. just see it. Uh, the arts of the past, some of the greatest Christians in the world were the sculptors, were the painters, uh, the inventors. I mean, that was it. And if we withdraw from that, so you were involved in the political realm, but you felt
1: called to do that that's in right. Kentucky. Well, I love the way you frame that because that's that's, that's absolutely true. It's interesting. I went to seminary training to be in the pastorate, uh, full time vocational ministry, but we're all called. To a ministry, it may not be full time in a church where you where you draw your income from, but you're called to serve the church and to go out into the public arena. And uh, while I was in college, uh, the Lord gave me a vision. Uh, I was at UT Austin, uh, not only for a calling to ministry, but just a just a um, a holistic understanding that God calls us to many different places. And I, I'll never forget the Abraham Kuyper quote real famous Dutch prime minister but not one precious square inch you know Um, I'm uh, I'm going to paraphrase, but in all of creation, there's not one precious square inch in the whole Lord's domain that He doesn't claim mine, that Christ does not say, that is mine. So, um, I served in Kentucky under the, the previous gov- governor, uh, Kentucky Governor Matt Bevan. I was there in communications. Um, and we got a lot of stuff done uh, uh, in public policy that uh, not only defended and protected life, but led to human flourishing. You think about education, education choice. Right now, right now, uh, parents across this country are going to these, uh, these board meetings, and they're protesting, make, making their protest known about the, what is going on in schools, teaching of critical race theory, uh, and kind of a social justice ideology that is teaching children not only to hate America, but really to hate themselves. Yeah. And so as Christians, we need to be uh, pressing back against that. We're the only ones that actually have the message that addresses racism yeah. and in a, in a full way. Uh, but parents need to be involved. And uh, so had that opportunity. And yes, that's very much a part of the mission of God. Well, let's go to Liberty University. They've been in the news last year quite a
0: bit. And uh, it's amazing what takes place and what can take place, but it's amazing what God does. Even when men make bad decisions, God is at work in in building up His kingdom, and that's happened at Liberty. It's still Absolutely. strong. Absolutely,
3: yeah. I, I think uh, we all know that uh, a good leadership is needed in any institution, uh, uh, the church, higher ed, you know, government, business, um, and we're looking forward to God's providing for us uh, for our our next uh, our next president you know uh, right now we're in a season of transition but even in the season of transition there is strong evidences of God's grace on our institution <laughs> as we are Having a, a refocus and some uh, some spiritual aspects, uh, we just uh, uh, the Thomas Road Baptist Church pastor Jonathan Falwell, you know, son of the great Dr. Jerry Falwell, senior. Um, he was appointed to be our campus pastor, which uh, he brings a, a real depth of spirituality. Yes. The Students love him, and uh, of course, the church is literally on the same campus as the as the university is. So, um, I think that's a, a good rebooting, as they say in the in the movie industry, a reboot. And uh, and so we look forward this fall. We are. Our, our enrollments are up. Um, I think we're going to be bringing in. Uh, we're projected to bring in the largest uh, class in the 50-year history. And and our online part, well, we've picked up 6,000 students. Now that that's not that's not the proof of God's blessing, but you know we were looking to see. You know, uh, you know what's going to happen. The, yeah, yeah. What's going to happen. So, we look forward to a spiritual renewal. Um, we're going to open up the uh, school year. Uh, this You might find this neat. Uh, uh, Elmer Towns, who's yeah. one, co-founder of, of Liberty, uh, 50 years ago when they started Liberty, because we're on our 50th year anniversary, uh, he opened up the, the school year with a sermon. Well, he still literally uh, has the the sermon notes, like the piece of paper that he preached from. I don't know how you do that, but he, and, and he, he pulled it out, and he's going to use the same sermons and preach the same sermon to the student body uh, this fall as we open up. The uh, the school
0: year. He has to in his 80s by now, doesn't he?
3: No, I think he's pushing 90 if you. But oh, and, wow. and he is going 100 miles an hour. He he's writes a book, going, a book yeah. like every other day, you know. He you know. is a
0: ball of energy. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the co host that I have on the other program that I do on AFR Exploring mm-hmm. the Word. Alex went there, and he loved Elmer Towns, oh, absolutely. and quite often on our program, he gets quoted, i can tell you oh, that sure. right there. You, you
1: yeah. haven't had an Elmer Towns experience unless you've been to Red Lobster, oh, yeah. and I have, and I've been delighted to <laughs> have Yeah, he to takes that, you out. At at that that it's right adjacent to our university. Okay, he likes yeah. it's, it's
0: one preacher friend of mine. He likes the lob. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's, that's right. What he, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that is great. Well, tell us a little about this Standing for Freedom Center. Tell us a little
1: bit about well, it. yes, I'm glad you asked that. So... Standing for Freedom Center, it exists not only to educate the next generation, but to really uh, to, to pour courage into pastors. We want to offer pastors resources, ways to talk about issues that have become increasingly more political. The reality that we're faced with now is you don't have an option to stay neutral because everything, marriage, sexuality... Religious liberty, keeping your church open on a Sunday to preach, are you kidding me? That's in, I mean, it's incredible what we faced in 2020, challenged in every way. You think about the pro life movement. All of these issues are now political issues. We cannot abstain from talking about them. We must say something. We have to say something. So we need to um, embolden pastors, and I think many of them are emboldened by courage. There's plenty of courageous pastors. Uh, out there who were leading the way. I think of John MacArthur, who stood up in a a very righteous way at a time that was critical, and he pushed back against the head of the the, the highest office in the state of California. Uh, And now they're having a recall on that election. But he went to court five times uh, over staying open during COVID. And because of that, I think he strengthened uh, many other pastors who said, "If he's standing up, I will stand with him," and so across this country, um, you know, we want to help pastors, aid them, resource them, and then and uh, and encourage them. Yes, you can preach on these issues, and you must.
3: Yeah. And pastors and students, the students come in with a, uh, a strong desire to, to be active in their Christian faith. Uh, they've got a heart the size of, uh, of Texas in terms of their passion. Sometimes, though, the, the head needs to catch up, you know, the, the mind, and so we're hoping to, to, to bring a lot to bear in, in terms of their theological and worldview uh, development there to match their big heart and their big feet, you know. Uh, yeah. to, and <clears throat> so one of our theme verses is is uh, Colossians four, five, and six: Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer. Uh, each person mm. uh, that that's that's obviously has an apologetics dimension to it but really mm. it's it's all of life we want the students to be able to uh, not shy away not be look they they, they see on social media you say one quote unquote I'm using air quotes here, one wrong thing you know one thing that's uh, mm. what are you a homophobic person do you not love people you know and and all of a sudden you're canceled and and they they, they some of them live in fear of being canceled like will I ever get a, yeah. be able to get a job when I graduate if I actually Say things that are actually just well, orthodox Christianity.
0: You know, yeah. and we're living in that kind of culture. We
1: are.
3: that's really, right. We You're talking about
0: pastors. Uh, I use it this way, guys. Uh, you know, they've entered our politics has entered our area yes. first. Yes, we we were already there. The pulpits, the churches, life, your identity according to Christ, what He's done. That was all in our area. They Mm -hmm. came into our area, and we Mm -hmm. dare not vacate the area that God has called us to. And I tell people, pastors, preach through the book of 1 Corinthians, and you'll get on every issue (laughs) that's cultural today. And it's nothing new under the sun. I mean, what the church at Corinth was going through, Ephesus going through, uh, our, our society didn't have anything on them,
1: what they were struggling with. Yeah. I think of the the Harold Camping back in 2012, sell, sold all that he had. Jesus was coming back in 2012. He completely abandoned everything, and he led many of his followers, his converts, to do that. Obviously, that was a cultic movement. That was wrong. It was against the teachings of Scripture. Jesus says, no one knows the time or the hour. Only the Father does. But my encouragement to pastors, to Christians, is, look... We cannot speculate about eschatology. We must engage the public, or the public will engage us. And it has. It's come to the doors of the church. It's yeah. come inside the church. And listen, Martin Luther said, if Jesus were to come back tomorrow, what would you do? He said, I'd plant a tree. Uh-huh. And what does that mean? He said, I would be concerned about the things that matter long-term. And short-term thinking, I think, is what has really hurt the church's public witness because we have abandoned, we've abdicated our responsibility when in, in reality, all of history has shown us great men of faith who actually went out there beyond the four walls of the church into the public arena and changed the world for Christ.
0: You know, we were talking about Missions, and we're talking about the mission of Liberty University, the mission of standing for freedom. You know, and and when we do that, people think, well, you're kind of negative. No, the Bible talks about it. You know, speak the truth in love. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes because of. People who have my kind of temperament, energetic, loud—it mm. comes across sometimes as, hopefully, not anger, but it comes across. Well, he's a little harsh, and it's not that we we have a calling, and it is. It's kind of like going to a ball game. If your team is on the field, oh, oh, I've got to be reserved, you know, and you, you're for them. And the time, I'm not saying you get outrageous, but being too reserved in our day when things are going harsh and harmful and difficult to the family, to the church, um, it's time to be heard. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I say that on this program, Exploring Missions, because I believe you can do both. I believe you can speak the truth and love at the same time. We're not handicapped. Yeah, amen. And the book of
3: Acts, when they got out of. Uh, prison, and I think
0: it's Acts chapter four. They
3: they you know were beaten a little bit and sent back. And they said, "Don't you preach the Bible?" and "Don't don't, don't you talk about Jesus?" And they said, "Well, we're going to talk about Jesus." You know. <laughs> nah. And then they they came back to the other disciples and they prayed, and their prayer was recorded in the scripture. And they said, "Lord, give us more boldness." <laughs> i more got boldness. them into trouble first yeah. place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> more boldness. <laughs> yeah, you know, that that's
0: that's what, how they prayed after having been thrown in jail. One know? of my heroes. Uh, It was close to Poland where we were, was Romania, Joseph San, and I referred to him quite a bit. Mm. I think I talk about him more than any other person I've ever met in my life, Uh, but Joseph San was was in Romania under communist rule, Mm. and they exiled him. They did not want to make him a martyr or a hero any more than he was, so they Mm. put him in the United States. And he got on the radio and was able to preach to all of Romania over the radio. Right, so sure. in place of his congregation in Aradia, he was preaching to all of Romania. And uh, so what happened, he said, come into America and its prosperity. He found out, for his being a real Christian, a real Christian, mm-hmm. he said, it's easier to be a real Christian under persecution than it is under prosperity. Well, that is the way Absolutely. it is. We can thank God
3: for the religious liberties we have in this country. We can thank mm-hmm. God for the prosperity. We're sitting here in a hotel room with thousands and thousands of dollars of equipment that make it possible to do that. So we're thankful to God for the blessings. At the same time, you, you do read about the Christians in underground churches in China or and, yeah. and, and persecuted parts of uh, Islamic-run uh, 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 territories,
1: and you think, wow, there is some real dedication there that, that far. Re- reading uh, just recently, Rod Dreyer's uh, Live Not by Lies, Alexander Solzhenitsyn and so many others that were in the communist bloc, what that moment created for them was clarity, the difference between those who really believed the commands of Christ and those who merely admired them. Oh, wow. It is so true.
0: Hey, today on Exploring Missions, we've had... Uh, a friend, a reacquainted friend, Scott Lamb. Scott, man, it is great. Let's not let. let's not wait to let's seven more wait, years. Yeah, seven yeah. years, and then Ryan, Hill, Helfen, Ben, Helf and um, bind. Helf and bind. It's okay,
1: you had it right the first uh, time. I
0: had it time. I'm <laughs> telling you, you can see why I do radio. You know, and I'm not the announcer. I'm just the guy that talks the lights. Yeah, good. but it's been good to have you. You from Liberty University. What an uh, opportunity kids have to go and Get a biblical worldview, and you guys are right on the front line concerning well, that. Come and check us out. You know,
3: come come for a weekend and check us out at Liberty University, uh, liberty.edu. We have got great online programs or residential campus there in Lynchburg, Virginia, in the heart of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Beautiful, Blue oh, Ridge beautiful
0: Ridge Mountains. place. Been yeah. there. Thank you guys for being with Thanks us. you for having us. for having us. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions, and we'll pray that God will prepare you for what He has the next thing for you to do.